Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1, okay? And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's going on here. The great prophet Jeremiah has been sent to a location to get a lesson. And the lesson is how the potter works. And, uh, and I was so inspired some time back, I just felt really led to deal with the subject of broken people. And as I get more into it, and I realize that the broken people are just crackpots of the church. <laughs> and now, don't start looking around, because there are a lot of crackpots in here, okay? We're full of them. And I'm one of them, too. So I want to talk to you about the crackpots of the church, and I want you to stay with me because if you think you're not a, a crackpot, you, you probably are wrong because we've all got some flaws. We've got some hairline cracks in our life that is really going to affect us in the future, and you just don't know it yet until you get control of it, and the only way to do that is through the potter. So let's, uh, let's dive into the Word of God, and we're going to look at this. And uh, it's very important to understand the biblical word for vessel is um, just basically meaning an individual. We're each represented as a vessel. We're all vessels. We're either vessels of honor or vessels of dishonor. We could either be a clean vessel or a dirty vessel. This one makes me nervous. It's like looking like it's falling over. But you know how many times preparing for this I dropped a pot? It was horrible. I mean awful. So, but I want you to understand that when the Bible speaks of a vessel, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. We're vessels. And we have to have an understanding what that means. So to fully understand that, we got to refer to Jeremiah. And here's the prophet. God says, you got to go down to the potter's house, and you got to check this guy out. I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, God didn't speak this way. And he said, see what he's doing, and watch how he works, and I'm going to illustrate to you something very important for you to understand dealing with Israel. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Verse 4, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make, to make it. In verse 5, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, now this is the lesson. He said, you checked out what happened. It's an illustration of what I want to explain to you. O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, I, I understand that this is speaking of Israel. And the potter's will illustrates the life of uh, life in the hands of the creator God, and Israel being the life that's spoken here. Uh, This portion of scripture is in reference, obviously, to Israel, but it's also in reference to us. All scripture is given by inspiration, and that inspiration from God is to be applied to our lives, right? Old and New Testament. Don't bypass the Old Testament. All of it's important to us. And so, with that in mind, you see the illustration of a sovereign God and the inadequacy of man right here at the potter's house. And God makes it clear to the prophet of old, this clay that you saw, this clay that you saw on the potter's wheel being formed and shaped and fashioned is an illustration of Israel. It's an illustration of you. And you need to understand how we come from clay to the vessel. What happens? What takes place? 
So the analogy here is God is the potter, we are the clay, and the vessel is the finished work of God. So to better understand that, I think we should illustrate it this way, okay? I'm obviously not a a potter in any shape, form, or fashion. So um, I'll kind of let it explain itself as I go. How does the clay become a vessel? Well, it's simple. To me, it looks simple. But to actually do it would be a whole different story. He takes the lump of clay, packs it down, and starts forcing it on the wheel. As he forces it upon the wheel, what happens? He starts to form and shape it. Well, there's a process this with this. The first step is the balancing of the clay. It's called the centering it. He centers it in such a way that he has to make sure the clay is on the wheel properly and not fighting against him because he's about to do a work. Uh, this would be called salvation. This is when the pot, the, the, this right here, and let me explain this. It's called conviction. Before salvation, there has to be conviction. Amen? God has to prick your heart. So when he does that, he's balancing us. He's getting us to understand you are going the wrong direction. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says this. There's a way which seemeth right unto the man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. So the balancing is the process in which the potter is putting you where you need to be. He's putting you in a location to show you truth. And the truth comes through the word. And the next step is the opening of the clay, as you saw. The opening of the clay is when he's already formed it and he starts pushing against it. And when he's forming this, the opening of the clay, he has to dig deep, as you saw in the video there, into the heart of the clay. This is when the potter reaches deep into the clay and starts to work from the inside out. This is the salvation process. So you have the conviction when God is pricking you and trying to pull you in and get you lined up with the gospel and then the gospel's presented and the understanding's there and then the salvation. You see, the Bible says in Psalms 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So that is God touching the hearts of man. And you know when a potter's working, he looks, down in the, he looks down in the pot, and he's focused there. And you think, why isn't he focused on the outside? Because when he's focused on the inside, the outside takes care of itself. You understand? So the balancing of the clay is the conviction. The opening, the heart, is the salvation. And then there's the lifting of the clay. The lifting of the clay. This is the phase when the clay can now be formed into a vessel. So interesting. Have you ever saw, have, you, have any of you ever watched a potter work? You're a liar. You're watching him right now. Every one of you are watching him right now. Okay. <laughs> well, when he's working on the clay and he's forming that, he not only reaches on the inside, but he starts working on the outside. Amen. See, this is the transformation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is when he starts removing the lumps and the grit, and the things that don't belong there. He convicted you. And then he saved you by reaching in and pricking your heart. And now he's transforming you. He's making you into what he wants you to be. He has a plan for you. And those old things are passed away. You're not that, hey, listen, you're not the lump of clay anymore. You're something greater than that. You have a purpose now. And that brings me to the fourth step. He balances the clay, he opens the clay, he lifts the clay, and then he shapes the clay. This is sanctification. 
This is the final step. This is when you start going, oh, look, I'm starting to get what he's doing. It's making sense now. I see it has a handle and, and it has a little tip over here and a little part over here and a little design over here. It's starting to make sense. And as you grow in the Lord and the grace of God, you start growing in grace. You start realizing the gifts you have, the spiritual gifts you have. And you go, okay, it's starting to make sense. It's all coming together now. This is what God's called me to do. So, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. If, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work is now sanctification, the completion, the steps of life where God gets you from here to here. All right, now the message. You thought that was all my points, right? You're like, man, that was so fast. We get to go eat now. It won't be as long as you think. The problem is we get from here and the whole time he's using the water. The whole time he's working the clay, he's using the water. You know why? The water represents something very important in the book of Ephesians. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by thy word. Something happens, though. The whole time he's working that water and working in our hearts because the presentation of the gospel is through the word of God, we get convicted. And then after we get convicted, we have salvation. And after salvation, we have transformation. And then we have sanctification. And we're on track. Man, we're a member now of Fellowship Baptist Church. We're doing a great thing for God. We are a vessel of honor. We look good. We look sharp. We got it. Right? Is that you? Maybe not. Because I'm afraid that we go from this to this, and we don't even know how it happens. So I'm only going to give you two illustrations in the Word of God, two crackpots in the Bible, all right? <laughs> I love saying that, crackpots. That's fun, right? Just go with it. You like it. All right, so let's look and look. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 8. Man, I just realized I left my wedding ring at the church. I'm horrible. Don't tell my wife. Start working with that clay. That stuff is nasty, isn't it? You don't want to get it all over yourself. It's not just nasty when you're making it, but it's nasty when it falls apart, too. The mess it leaves. Nobody wants to get their hands dirty, right? But God invested in us, and he loves us to the point that he was willing to do whatever it takes to mess with that clay to get you right where you need to be. But then things start falling apart, and a lot of folks step back and go, I don't want to mess with that crack pot. That's a mess. It's everywhere. They, want to, they don't want to get their hands dirty. But God does, and he wants to work in your life. So let's look at this crackpot found in Luke chapter 8, verse 43, okay? Here it is, verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, that's a long time, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. So here she is, 12 years, nothing's been solved. How many have heard this before. You've heard this passage of scripture. You've read it yourself, maybe. Okay, good. Verse 44. She's about to come up on Jesus. She sees him. He's working a work. God's working in the midst of his son, Jesus Christ, here on earth. He's healing people. He's loving on people. He's preparing the way for people to receive him after he dies on the cross, because you can't help people unless you learn to love them. So here he is. 
And she, in verse 44, came up behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood, what? You know what? It's amazing. It didn't take much, did it? When God shows up, it doesn't take much. The Bible goes on to say, and Jesus said, who touched me? Well, why would he say that? I mean, good grief. Look around. I mean, even his disciples were like, what what is he talking about? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And then he saw the woman. She was hit over in the corner. She was scared. She was trembling. She was shaking. She was a crackpot. Man, she didn't want to mess with Jesus. She didn't want to bother Jesus. She just showed up. And she knew, though. Obviously, I believe she, she, she was a Christian, I believe she believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God or she would have never showed up to waste her time to try to reach out and get healing from him. She knew he was the Messiah. I believe that. But I believe also she was at a point in her life that she wasn't a wicked, awful, filthy woman. She was a crackpot because of the pressures of life. See, there's a lot of crackpots. They're not bad people. They're just people. And they have pressures in their life. You see, problems create pressures, especially when there's no answer to the problem. You notice what the Bible said, neither could be healed of any. You see, this crackpot wasn't a wicked crackpot. It was just somebody that was experiencing the pressures of life. She was just to the point where she just could not get victory, and she was falling. She was falling apart. She felt alone. You ever been there? Maybe you have. Watch this, because I'm going to show you why she felt that way, okay? There's a couple of reasons why. When you're dealing with a crackpot that's under pressure, it's a little different than a crackpot that's falling. And we'll get to that in a minute. Let me illustrate. In my backyard, I have my, my patio furniture, and I was lazy one year, imagine that, and I left some pots out. I had my nice stuff, my pots. And I had my clay, I mean my clay, my dirt in there, and I had my flowers, and uh, I had everything, you know, I thought, just leave it. Let nature take its course. And then, you know, the flowers will come back. They weren't even the type of flowers that it would ever come back. They were dead. I was just being lazy. So I left them. And then summer comes. And I go out there. And I look at my flower pot. And guess what? It was cracked. Welcome to Ohio. The moisture, it just froze and it expands. And then it cracks. You know, I looked out that window a number of times and never noticed any of that. I never saw one hairline crack, because usually you can't see the hairline cracks. You don't even pay attention to it. You don't even realize the pressure that's on that pot and what's going on in its life. You ever heard somebody say, I have a heavy, heavy heart? That's the pressures of life on their heart. It presses against you and makes you feel weak and discouraged, and you feel like nobody understands. Nobody can see it. Let me point out some reasons why, and maybe this hits home with you. One of the reasons why she became a crackpot from the pressures of life is because of her physical issues. You see, the Bible says in verse 43, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years. It was some issues maybe her neighbors knew about, but they didn't fully understand. Unless you're experiencing cancer, you probably don't understand it. Unless you've lost somebody very close to you, you don't understand it. I've had people try to explain to me how to raise kids when they had no kids. They don't understand it. They don't understand that overwhelming love you have for children. They don't get it. 
But sometimes in life, we have pressures on us and we're falling apart from the inside out because we have some physical issues and we put our name on the prayer list, but we still feel alone because maybe that deacon forgot to show up to visit you. Or maybe you're the only one in the home now and your spouse has passed away and you're going through this alone and there's some hairline cracks all over your life and you feel like you're about to fall apart. It's sometimes we need to slow down and realize we're not alone, okay? Say, Pastor Dave, I don't, I don't see how this relates. It relates to more than you realize. How many of you can right now think of somebody that's going to, through a physical problem or you're going through the physical problem yourself? Would you raise your hand? Do you want, you want to know one of the number one ministries of Jesus Christ? It was healing the sick. Yes. So let me ask you, does it matter when we go through hard times physically speaking? Yes, it does. Because it can hold you back from so many things that honor and please God. And if you're not careful, you'll become a crackpot and you'll fall apart and you'll never be used by God anymore. Because that depression sets in. That frustration sets in. All right, so I'm going to give you an illustration. You know, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I, have a, I had a fish named Watson. Had. <laughs> Watson stayed in my office. Watson slept all the time. Slept all the time in the bottom of the fishbowl. And I was doing counseling. And somebody, every time somebody comes to my office, they say, I think your fish is dead. And I said, no, he's sleeping. And they tap on it. And he goes, bloop, bloop. And then he swims up. Well, one day I was doing counseling. And somebody said, your fish is dead. I said, no, he's not. He's just sleeping and tapped on it, and he floated up. And he looked like he was sleeping way too long. So <laughs> we, Ellie felt so bad for me. She didn't know the fish died, and I was really busy, and things were going on. I know that's disgusting. So I left Watson inside the water for a while, and a couple of days, maybe a week. <laughs> so Ellie finally noticed that Watson wasn't sleeping, so Ellie decided to clean, my daughter decided to clean it out, and she's, if you know my daughter, she's very sensitive about everything. She loves everybody and everything and every creature and every worm, the weird stuff. So I come in, and there's a big note with Ellie's little handwriting. said, I'm so sorry, Dad. Watson is dead. I'm like, already knew Ellie. But she gave him a proper burial, too, she said, in the toilet. But when we cleaned out Watson's tank, you wouldn't believe how many cracks were in that. No water. I don't even know how there wasn't water all over my shelf. It's been sitting in my office for, not dead, I'm talking about the, the water without the dead fish, on my shelf for like two years. I didn't realize how bad these hairline cracks were. I mean, I had an idea, maybe, because I did clean it once in a while. You know how many times I walk the halls and I don't realize how many hairline cracks are right here in the church? Pots are broken. You see, it's hard to see a crack pot when they have hairline cracks because the problems are not as visible. You have to get real close and personal. It starts with a life group, and somebody reaches out and says, I didn't know you were going through that. I had no idea. We're going to pray for you. You see, we only see 20% of what's going on in people's lives. The other 80% is behind closed doors. You know, and somebody's angry, and you're like, what's their deal? Man, they're such a jerk. You don't even know what they're going through. And we never take the time to find out. That's a crackpot. And that crackpot, if somebody doesn't invest, they're going to fall apart. And it's not going to take long. And it starts with physical issues. And sometimes it's financial issues. You see that? She spent all she had, all of her living, all of her savings, 
we had, um, and that creates a lot of stress. You know, there's 10 reasons why marriage is in divorce. There could be a bajillion, but the top 10 reasons, number one is the lack of communication, but second is financial reasons. It just kills everything, you know? And even if you do have a lot of money, you still are not happy. You see movie stars commit suicide all the time. She had a financial problem, and it was creating some more hairline cracks in her life. Nobody could see it. We had a guy show up just last week. He don't go to our church, and when he came in, he was just really upset, just down and out. And, and you couldn't see it in the beginning, but as he began to talk and tell me of what he's going through, he started weeping, growing man. And I felt broken for him because he was broken. He was talking about how they raised his rent and I'm talking about a hard-working man with a disabled son and an awesome wife. I'm not talking about a deadbeat. You know what I mean? I'm not talking somebody that just wants to suck off the government and just live and exist. I'm talking about somebody that's really trying, has a great job. And so we were able, you know, the Lord's blessed us with food pantry, and we gave him some food out of the pantry, and his wife thanked us. And their little boy, disabled little boy, is about the sweetest kid ever, about to have a birthday. And God just worked it out to help him with that. They're everywhere. I remember when I came to this church. I come from gray Tennessee. That's like Mayberry. What you experience here is an illustration there. We just hear about it. We never experience it. This woman came into the church and she was broken and she was weeping and talking about her granddaughter and all these things that were going on in the child molestation. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Talking about a crackpot. Just, she wasn't a bad person. Remember, crackpots are not bad people. They're just people. They're just vessels and something happened. I'm thinking, my goodness. Talking about the marriage and how it was falling apart and this and that. I was so overwhelmed. I don't know if I've ever told anybody this. I was so overwhelmed. I walked in that back door. The lights were off. Nobody was here. We had pews at that time. Like a little kid, I climbed under a pew and I just started crying. And I said, I don't know how to process this, God. This is way out of my league. I can't deal with this stuff. This is, this is overwhelming. And when you start carrying other people's burdens, you almost start coming or becoming a crackpot yourself. Because you realize how bad they got it. Their physical problems, their financial needs. You, you hear me? Do you know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about until you have a child that is dealing with suicidal issues. Until you have a child that's debating on issues in their life that are clear cut. But somebody's made them question them. And they're cracking up and they don't think anybody can understand. Nobody's taking the time to reach out because they're too busy going, that is nasty. That is awful. And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And you don't even realize you have the same hairline cracks in your own life. The pressures of life create crackpots. There's another crackpot. And don't worry, I'm going to get to the good stuff. We're not gonna, I know there's some good stuff at the end of this. You know, I read it. But we're going to save that just for the end of the message, okay? Which is not far away. Some of you are like, when is that? I'm not going to tell you. Another way, another way we fall apart is crackpots, is falling to sin. This is the ugly one. And this crackpot's found in John chapter 8 and verse 3. And the people that were trying to minister were not doing too good. These were some bad deacons. They needed to be 
they need to be removed. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery and in the very act. I just see them talking like that. Just kind of nerdy. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? What, Jesus, what sayest thou? Did they really care what Jesus said? No, they didn't. This they said, tempting him. This is why I know they didn't care. That they might have to accuse him. They, they wanted to put him in a situation where he'd get tongue-tied and then say the wrong thing. And then they'd be like, ha Look at there, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> so when they, when they did this, Jesus did something different. He ignored them and he knelt down in the dirt and began to write with the hand. I mean, just completely bypassed everything they were saying. He was processing what they were doing because he's the son of God. He knew what was going on. And uh, he raises up, so in verse 7, So when they continue asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And then he stooped down again in verse 8 and started right on the ground. Not disrespecting Jesus Christ, but he has got to be the coolest guy ever. Just the smoothest, wisest you know, just, just amazing with his wisdom. And as he did this, the Bible says that slowly from the oldest to the youngest, they just started walking away. They were convicted. They realized, oh my goodness. One of them started thinking, I'm committing adultery myself and nobody even knows. The other one's like, I beat my wife on a regular basis. Messed up home. Because these guys were arrogant full of themselves, pointing fingers at every crackpot that walked by, throwing them down instead of lifting them up so they can crumble that much more. And so finally, Jesus raises up, looks at the woman, and he asks her, where's your accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? In other words, did they not determine they're going to stone you? She said, I like the way she says it. She's real simple. She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let me tell you something. We'll get to the end of that at the end of the message too, okay? Because that's good stuff. But falling to sin creates crackpots. It, it happens all the time. You see, this wasn't the original pot I had. This one, I was setting up, and I decided to build some more on this piece of table, and I was doing some stuff, and I forgot I sat a pot here. And then the pot fell and hit the ground. And I thought, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I just got that. I, I just sat that up here. I just placed it where I wanted it. And now it's on the floor in pieces. That's how God feels. Are you kidding me? I just got you plugged in Fellowship Baptist Church. And you go on and mess up your life when I'm trying to help you? What are you doing? I had you stable where I wanted you to be, and then you fall over and hit the ground. You know why that happens? It happens so often. You want to, this is the reason why. Tempting situations that trap us. He said, the Bible says, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. She was trapped. You say, no, she did it herself. She deliberately did it. I'm gonna, I'm, let, me, let me make sure you understand this. No temptation ever is put out there 
by the person. The person just finds the temptation. You understand? Now, don't get me wrong. We put ourselves in a place of temptation quite often. We're guilty of that. But tempting situations are caused by the devil so often. Let me explain. James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. The two key components to temptation is lust and entice. Lust is desire, enticed is attraction. I cannot stand mice. Why would you want a pet mouse? I don't know. But this is a great illustration to me of the entices that are before us, the temptations, the traps, okay? Because the wiles of the devil, how many ever heard of the wiles of the devil? We just taught this in our Cadets for Christ. Wiles of the devil means the tricky things the devil does to entrap us, temptations he puts before us. So I've been doing vacation Bible school, so I never go to my office hardly at all. I mean, just, just, just don't, I mean, everybody dumps everything in there. I dump everything in there, and then it takes a week to clean it out. Well, while I was gone, somebody checked in. Every mouse in the church was like, Dave's gone. <laughs> it's good. It's, we're going to check in. We're going to hang out. And I went in my office. They ate everything in my drawers. I'm not kidding. I opened one drawer. I had these coffee pods for my curate. They ate it. They ate the coffee pod. They're hyped up. They had to be like, <laughs> I mean, they just, they just took in all this coffee. And I know they were hyped up because they ate my notes. There wasn't even peanut butter on it. They just ate the notes because they had, they, were, they ate the coffee, ate the notes, and then they just started eating everything, my pencils, everything. So I had to cut, cut my office. So Mike Myers says, I got the answer. So he put all these traps in my office, gave them to me. But it's not good enough just to put the trap. You have to add the peanut butter. Why do they love peanut butter? Everybody loves peanut butter. That's why. So put peanut butter on the trap. This is the entice. This is when lust is conceived. He looked at it and goes, I like that. I like it more than coffee. And that is crazy if anybody likes anything more than coffee. And then he reaches out with his little hand, because they got little hands. They do. I've seen them. They do amazing things with those little hands. And he's like. (laughs) And he's thinking to himself, I'm so close. Finally, he just says, forget it. That looks like green grass, but it's not. But it looks squishy. And he steps on it. And he's like. "Ah!" And then he can't get out. And then it's both. And then he's in. And then he's rolling around. And then he's like. And he's done. And not one lick of peanut butter satisfied him. You know why? Because he was entrapped. It's the wiles of the devil. See, the woman at the well, she was entrapped too. The only reason she had five men in her life through a period of time is because she was tempted. And then she got trapped. It happens all the time. And then you fall. Don't be fooled to think that you can't get entrapped yourself. You say, well, I'm not that, entra- I'm not that attractive. I don't got a great personality. The devil don't care about any of that stuff. All he cares about is taking you down and ruining your life. He wants you to become a crackpot. And the way he's going to do it is tempting situations that trap us. When, when we fall, it makes a mess. An absolute mess. I mean, it's all around. When I dropped that pot, it was, Chris came in here and said, what did you do? I said, I dropped the pot. It's everywhere. 
It's my illustration. It's all over. He's like, and he's on his little, have you seen his little car he drives around on? He thinks he's cool. He is cool. I think it's cool. But he's zipping around like the Jetsons. His hoverboard, he's got a hoverboard. And he zips, he's zipping up and down here and goes, there's more over here. There's more over here. And I'm vacuuming, there's more over here. Would you just go, roll down the hall? And he just, but the point is, it makes a big mess. It didn't just affect this one spot, it affected all of this. When you fall into sin, it affects more than just you. When you fall apart and you become a crackpot, it affects a lot of things around you. And it did with this woman as well. It affected families. But that's not the only reason you fall in, into sin and become a crackpot. Stumbling blocks can be found in front of you and you don't even see it and you trip over them. Sometimes that happens not by the devil, by friendly fire. You following me? The Bible says this, verse 6. Okay? The Bible says, This they said, tempting him, now it's Jesus, that they may accuse him. So, and we're almost done. We're about to close. They said, now let's focus on Jesus Christ. We, we've, we've dealt with this woman. We caught her. We entrapped her. I'm sure they even set it up so they could do this. And then they look at Jesus and they throw some things out to him. They're stumbling blocks. And we do this so often and it trips most people up. But not the son of God. He don't get tripped up by these things. It's not always sexual sins that we can cause people to fall with. And it's not always Satan. I say this a lot, but it can be Facebook. It can be those things where you throw it out there and you just want to see how people react. You spread rumors in the church. Well, I heard Pastor Dave's going to be taking a mega church. I just made that one up. I could have just said a church, but mega church sounded better. But those things spread like wildfire. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? And what you hear is usually something very negative and not good. And it's a stumbling block. And then that person that it's talk, you're talking about, they hear. And they're like, what was that? What, what's going on? This is my church. This is my family. Why would you say that? Why would you post that? Why would you do that? Why would you? And they get angry. And then sin sets in. And then they fall to sin because they're, now they're bitter. And they say things they shouldn't. And now they're starting to post things. And then we got an all-out war. And everybody's like, ding, 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 ding. And everybody's... I mean, everybody's going crazy. You know why? Because there was a stumbling block and it wasn't Satan. Satan used you or me or somebody else to put it before somebody and they fell to sin and that person now is angry and bitter and they quit church. They fell out of church. And every time the deacons walk by or come by or drive by, all they see is more pieces in the home of that family because it started with a stumbling block. Romans 14, verse 13, let us not therefore judge one another and more But judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Don't put something in the way of your brother or your sister that's going to cause them to fall and become a crackpot. Let me me close this up, okay? Because we got to go forever. I I just want to get to the point. These are the crackpots of the church. We see how the crackpots develop. We see what takes place. Some are in the pressures of life. Some are falling to sin. There's some in life, and I didn't even say this, but they're just, they're just knocked over again. They're the ones that are working their brains out in the church, and people just trip over them and overlook them, and they're underfoot and stepped on like a doormat. You ever feel like that? They don't look like this. They just have little chips, and they're getting burnt out in the ministry. They're just wanting to quit. The point is this. 
in order for these to stop being crackpots, they have to be put back together. The mending is a necessity. The mending of the broken vessel comes, first of all, with the touch of the, of the potter. You remember the first broken pot we looked at, the crack pot in Luke? The Bible says that Jesus did what? He healed her. The Bible says in verse 48, And he said unto her, Daughter, be a good comfort. In other words, the pressure's off. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. It's all right. It's okay. Go in peace. That means everything's good. It's all right. You know why? Because I'm the master and I made you whole again. Is there still cracks? Yes. Is there still hairline cracks and, and, and pieces missing? Yes. But the point is, She's no longer in pieces all around the ground. God picked her up, put her back together. Not only that, it not only takes the potter's hand to put the the vessel back together and mend it, but it also comes with patience. It comes with patience and compassion. Look at this. When I dropped this pot, this is a different one. The one that I dropped on the ground is under there. I just gave up on it. This one was knocked over during a performance here at the church. And I love this pot. I personally picked this pot out because I wanted it. I'm very picky when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> and I like, this is the perfect piece. And then it got knocked over. And, then I, bought, and I said, mm, I love this piece. I'm going to be patient and put it back together. So I did. And it took forever. And Brianna joined in. And we glued. And it, it was horrible. And it took, it was just a nightmare. Well, you know why? <laughs> because I'm not the master. I'm not the potter. I don't know where the pieces go. You can put things back together yourself, but it's not going to look right. It's going to look like that. Let me tell you something. Even when Jesus puts you back together, there's going to be scars. There's going to be things that are shown. But when a broken vessel happens, it takes the touch of the master, like the woman with the issue of the blood, but it also takes the compassion and the patience of the master to put it all back together because we don't have that. We just want to get things done. We'll just need to go to marriage counseling. 15 times, and that does it. No, it doesn't. Just get onto that kid one time and chap his hide, and he'll be all right. No, consistency, discipline, a consistent Christian life. But the the master, the potter, knows how to do it. The mending of a broken vessel must be sealed, too. See, this is the part we forget about. Yeah, it looks good, somewhat. At least it doesn't look like this. But can it hold water? Your purpose was for God to pour into you so you can pour into others. But if he can't pour into you because you're leaking everything out, then your purpose is no longer there. And only the master can touch you, put you back together, but he has to mend you. That means he has to seal the deal. See, there's been a lot of times, and as I studied this, they would take a piece of clay, and they'd form it and shape it, and then they'd try to put it back into the cracks and make it work. And then they'd let it dry. But what happens is it never holds water. And I learned something. And and the more I studied this, the more I realized how odd it was. I thought it was so odd when I read this and began to study. I said, there's no way. I looked at my wife. There's no way a potter at that period of time, the time of Christ, did that. That's just so odd. Weird. Somewhat gross. And I realized that the potter would go to the local farmer. And he'd go amongst the sheep, and he'd take a tick, an unusual tick, a weird insect that would hold the blood just like a normal tick here, 
in, in Ohio or Alabama. And he'd take it back to his shop and he'd apply the blood of that tick that he pulled from the lamb into the clay. And he'd wait. And the chemical reaction and the reaction of it did something strange. He'd place it on the crack, he'd wait for it to dry, pour water into the pot, and it never seeped through again. The fesca is an interesting little tick that would suck the blood, particularly of the goats, but mainly the sheep. They love the blood of the sheep. Is that ironic to you? Do you realize that if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the lamb being applied to the areas of your life, you would never be sealed by the Holy Spirit? You would never be effectively used by God? You say, Dave, I know that I'm a believer and I trusted Jesus Christ, but if I get things right and I do this, I'm never going to look the same. I mean, look at this guy. He's a, he's a sharp, well-dressed deacon of the church. He's a Sunday school teacher. He's this, she's that. She's, they've got a beautiful marriage, beautiful marriage. Mine fell apart. I'm not even married anymore. God still used me. My kids rebelled against God and against me. Can, can God still, I mean, I, I, he put me back together. I'm, I'm trying to be effective, but look at me. Look what I look like. I'm not perfect. Can he still use me? Can you dim the lights? I know it's bright because of this. I want to close with this. There's a light in this pot, and there's a light in this pot. This light, I can see it, but you can't really see it. But you can see this one. This one almost in a weird, creative way looks beautiful because it's shining out in a different way. I am so glad when we fail, God does something special. He takes the flaws of life to bring glory to God and good to man. He makes it where you can go to that next person and say, I went through that. I know what you're going through. God loves you. And you could be a brighter light and a beautiful testimony to those around you. But you got to start by letting the master potter put you back together. Are you willing to do that? You say, does that mean everything's going to be a bed of roses and my marriage and my family and my... No, 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 no. No, I'm just saying where you're at, he can help you. He can mend you. Are you ready to be mended?